y'all. I'm Betsy Orton with the Dickey Foundation, and you're listening to Dickey's Doing Good, the podcast where we tell good stories about good people doing good things in the community. I'm thrilled because my guest today is Rachel Ray Williams with Dallas Animal Services. She's the field services manager for Dallas Animal Services, been with them for over two years. Uh, her previous career, she's also worked with the Detroit, Michigan Humane Society, and with Texas A&M Small Animal ICU. We're thrilled to have you join us today, Rachel. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk about us and what we're doing. <laughs> that is so <laughs> wonderful. And it's great because we're actually out here at Dallas Animal Services by some of the play areas. So we may hear some dogs barking in the background. So love that. But so, so Rachel, for those folks who don't know you as well as I do, tell us about yourself, your work with Dallas Animal Services and how you ended up being where you are today. Um, well, I started here about, I moved here about two years ago, working in Dallas. Um, and then one of my first first jobs um, is with Dallas Animal Services. Um, and we, I, I started working here just because I liked the way Ed Jamison was like leading, like the overall mission. Like he was just leading the whole, um, the whole, how do you say? animal welfare, all organizations, all, he was just really progressive. And he was solving problems that I have never seen other people solve before. And it, I was interested to be a part of that kind of work, um, to helping people get into the root causes and really finding ways to support families to keep them together. That's very cool. And one of the things that Ed was really instrumental in was the uh, was the, the Dallas 90 campaign. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about what that is and and kind of the uh, you all had some really impressive metrics come out of that. Yeah, we're, we're really trying to strive for 90, which that means is 90 percent of the animals that are coming into our care are leaving out alive. And whether that is with placement with rescue, placement with people, um, as, as far as adoption, um, we've just been committed to ways to finding solutions. Um, euthanasia is is, is important and is vital to our overall um, to manage animals, but we want to use it as a tool and not necessarily a solution. If we can find a life outcome for a person or for a pet, that's that's what we're going to do. Um, definitely keeping public safety in mind because we don't want to release anything into the public that you know it, that could be potentially dangerous. But we um, we're definitely focusing on getting animals out of here alive. Well, absolutely. And can you tell me about some of the work that the animal investigators do? Um, you know, we, we think of first responders really as, as police and firefighters, but you all in animal rescue are certainly first responders as well. So tell me a little about that. Um, what we try to do is we try to get, we try to investigate and collect evidence. Um, and when we see a circumstance where we're just not really sure, <laughs> Sorry about that. I just got a cameo. <laughs> when we have circumstances um, where we believe that an animal has possibly been um, a victim of cruelty, we have um, detectives that work alongside of us that investigate those cases for us. So what we pretty much do is collect that evidence, kind of gather that for them so the detectives can you know, follow the next steps as far as investigating the case. So what happens on those on those next steps when they, you know, you all have built your case and what that sort of thing, what happens then? Um, they look at the, all the evidence, like how this animal, the, how the animal looked and appeared at the time of um, intake. Like, how do we even know about this animal? What were the circumstances in which this animal was found? Um, how did the animal look when it was brought into our care? Um, and then the detectives will use all that information, try to follow up with an owner or a potential, like who, who was the person Person that was in charge of this pet um, and try to move them along um, through the like a criminal case. Um, it just depends. Every case is different. So I don't want to give a blanket statement about how 
how that goes. Um, but we try to collect the evidence, get everything in order, and then detectives will go through the, you know, go through the rest of the trial. Well, now, and you've told me you've been involved with animal rescue since you were seven or eight years old. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that and what the best thing about being in this business is. Um, it's like I was, I was always dedicated to the kind of work that we have, um, and. I was just like, I started off with kittens, you know, bottle feeding kittens, you know, Liz, I, I love finding kittens all over the place. Um, and my mom was like, well, if that's what you want to do, do you know, take over the basement and get it over with, you know, just take care of the kittens. Um, and just to look back on my life and just see how taking care of kittens has gotten me to this point is just really dramatic. This is crazy to me. Um, I've just been dedicated to animal welfare and people in so many different ways that I'm just really surprised that I'm I'm still here, honestly. <laughs> but it's just been, um, I've just been learning different pieces and seeing where I can help and just pretty much letting the help guide me through which you know organizations I wanna work for and what positions I wanna take. For sure. So what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about animal rescue and, and what you do? You need people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as much as you, you know, the love for animals is important. You know, it's, it's important. But you have to have a love and respect for people also because the people do the work. The people are cleaning. The people are adopting. The people are, are, are giving you donations. And that's the way the work gets done. So I think understanding that you need people to get this to get this done is is fundamental you know a lot of times we hear that people we don't like people or you know i'm not really interested in people only interested in their animals but you have to like people too because they're going to give you their outcomes you know they're going to do the adoptions they're going to be the foster parents i mean if the dogs could take care of themselves then we wouldn't really have that problem but we don't we need the people to do the work for sure. Now, do you have furry family members at home? No. <laughs> I know. I just, I work a lot. Like, I don't really have time to take care of my own pets, but I'm like a foster mom for life. Like, I will foster the broken and diseased <laughs> and the ones that need more time, but I personally don't have time to, like, commit to my own pet. Okay. Well, you've got an awful lot of yes, people here at the services that you get to, get to hang out with. That, that is wonderful. When you even showed the kitten nursery and it's coming up on kitten season yes. and you all have, have, because of COVID, have even turned a conference room into a kitten nursery. So. Yeah. We're trying to keep our little babies there and safe until we can find foster parents that can um, pick them up and take care of them until they're big enough. That's very wonderful. The fosters are really, and kind of how has COVID affected you all? I mean, Dallas Animal Service is actually closed to the public right now. So tell me a little bit about how COVID has affected you all. It, unfortunately, well, it's been a good and a bad for us. Um, it has forced us to think of ways to continue to save lives without having people in our front door. We've transformed the adoption program to almost 100% virtual. Um, you. Like when he came in, we have a patio out there where people can meet and greet dogs there. Um, but we have basically been forced to help people before they get to our doors. Um, when people want to return animals or this is not a good fit, they have to go through a process um, to, to see if we can get them the resources they need to keep their pets in the home. And it's worked really well. Like most people are able to take care of their pets if you help them keep them pets. Well, and we walked through the shelter on the way outside, and I mean, you all have many fewer dogs than you, than you did a year ago. Yeah, we have we have been sustaining around 150 to 250 dogs, which is way less than our normal. Um, 
but we've been able to find placement for these animals through like rescue volunteers have been able to kind of help us spread the word foster has been on doing an amazing job and we've been actually helping people in the community when they're ready to surrender their pets we're giving them the options like do you need a crate do you need a leash is it training and when we find out the root causes most people love their pets they want to keep their pets they just need help you know, keeping them in the home. Sure, and I mean, COVID has seen a lot of unemployment as well. And people will say, you know, if I have a choice between feeding my children or feeding my dog or cat, that's those are really hard choices they have yeah, to make. Yeah, and we like to connect them with people that can help. So like, as far as the food pantry, that is like one project that's near and dear to my heart. Um, we have collaborated with three organizations that will be accepting food from us. Um, we will be, it's already like a food pantry that is already existing. So they already have human support services, but humans have pets. So we identify the organizations that have people that have pets and we're gonna bring the food to them directly. Um, so when people are making those hard decisions, we're trying to really think like, who can we connect this person with so they can get the things they need so they can keep their pets in their home. So it's connecting with someone like the North Texas Food Bank mm -hmm. to make sure that while they're feeding the people, you all are yeah. feeding the animals. Mm -hmm. And we're actually helping supplement that that need for pet food. You know, I, I really don't want people to have to choose between feeding themselves and feeding their pets. An overwhelming amount of people will feed them, their pets first. So if we can supply that food, then we know that for sure that the person is getting the nutrition on the food that they need. So it's it's been a long road, but we're almost there. We're almost there. We gave away, <laughs> I think, 250 pounds of food today. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things that we want to make sure that people have, you know, it's this very basic need and we want to make sure people have it. Indeed. So what would you tell someone who was interested in following your footsteps and going into animal rescue and, and the investigations? Um, I would tell that person, you definitely need to like people. <laughs> you definitely need to like people and work well with other people. Um, just share the information. Be honest, be transparent. The only way the public can help you is if they know what you need. Um, and, you know, just focusing on like how how does this help the person as well? Not just helping the pet, does it also help the person? Um, and I think that's one thing that people overlook is the person attached to the leash. Like, what are we gonna do, <laughs> you know? What are we gonna do about that? And I think that's one of the things is just be very, very aware that it's a person that is usually attached to the leash. Um, and you wanna take care of that person too. And understanding their need is a priority. Um, and that'll definitely help the whole household, you know, move forward and live a, a happy life. Well, and it's funny because you keep mentioning people. And <laughs> And, uh, you know, people think, oh, maybe they went into animal rescue because they'd rather deal with dogs than yeah. with people. Um, but it but it seems like, you know, you're, you're definitely a people person that mm -hmm. wants to help people who, A, work here, and then, B, the folks that, that you are able to help out in the outside. Absolutely. Well. It's really important to me. <laughs> so is there is there an experience that or, or two that stands out to you that maybe really touched your heart or changed how you did things? Um, one story that I can think of is we had an individual who was recently displaced or unhoused. Um, his pet ended up at the shelter. He, he found out somehow that the pet was here. Um, and but he had no supplies, like nothing to keep the dog in compliance. The dog wasn't unaltered and all that kind of stuff. So I pretty much and, and he had no fun, like he had no money to get his pet. Um, our biggest priority is if, if you don't have any money and you want your pet back, I'll 
I'll work with you with the fees. Like that is something that we can definitely do. Um, and we we've supplied him with all like leash, spay and neuter, vaccinated his dog, got him a microchip. You know, we got him a crate. You know, it was just a matter of like, come back tomorrow. We'll give you everything, and you can go and watch your way. Yeah. And so you were able to you were able yeah. to reunite them. And- we we able to reunite. We gave him all the things he needed, and he actually brought some stuff back to us. Like it was like a borrow system. Like here, you can borrow all this stuff. But I, you know, I never expected him to come back. But then he came back. I was like, here's your leash. I got her, you know, new outfit and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So I was happy. That was one story that just really like, what does the person need to keep their pet safe? And we got to the bottom of that, and we were able to give him what he needed to keep his pet. Is there a dog or cat or other animal that you think about that you you remember, whether it was your first rescue or an important rescue or um an important rescue? <laughs> it's been they're all important. They're all important. They're all I equally love them all. Um, I don't have anything that just pops up into my mind. Um, but it it's always always think about being a kid and doing that like the bottle feeding it was uh, like I was way too young to be doing it on my own but like everybody trusted me and people in my neighborhood would bring me food to my door like for pets if they found stuff they would come to our house so I think that overall experience is really what stuck to me you know in my lifetime it's like I've always been dependent on for this work and I, I think it's just it's just a part of who I am at this point. Well, and I mean, volunteering is so important to Dallas Animal Services. And, and full disclosure to folks who are listening, I actually volunteer with Dallas Animal Services. Uh, they, they have a program that's called their Daycation. And I, I kid you not, you get to volunteer by taking a dog to brunch. Um, and, and we've done that many times. Can it talk to me a little bit about how, how the volunteers really factor in here? Volunteer work is, is it's like... It, it, it matters. It's important. We need the help, you know. Um, and it, it takes off... When we can share the workload between the staff and the volunteers, we have way better product. You know, we have way better customer service. The work is evened out in a way that we all can produce equally amount of important items. So for us, volunteer work is super important. We need volunteers. We wouldn't be able to do it without volunteers. <laughs> um, well, I mean, speaking of volunteers, and you said you volunteer yourself. How, why is it that, that giving back and is so important to you and, and your passion for animals? Um, because people need help. You know, it's not really deeper than that. You know, it's just people need help and I have the resources to help them or, or I can help them, you know, get the ball rolling to figure out where they can go. But ultimately, it's, it's because people need help and who else is going to do it? For sure. Well, and kind of talking about helping people, who who are two or three people who have really helped you and made a difference for you? Um, in my personal life, probably my grandfather. He was this super like you're the leader. You know, you're the leader. Kind of talk pretty much all my life. Um, let's see, Ed Jamison. He's been. You know, I I would consider him my mentor, whether <laughs> um, but you know he's been really great with just kind of helping me figure out what path I want to go on, you know, identifying um, opportunities that will accelerate me to executive level of leadership um, and just being, you know, just being really great. Um, this third person, mm, uh, I would think of this this one girl I worked with a long time ago named Bianca. She was a super great vet tech. She taught me everything I needed to know. And she was just 
you know how you, some people are just good? She was just good, and she was like a standard, and I wanted to meet her standard, and she really challenged me to be a really good vet tech, um, and I think those skills have just, her leadership skills have, I've embodied them and, and took them with me along the way. So what is something that you've learned, whether it's in your work in animal rescue and investigations, things like that, or what is the most important thing that you've learned to date? Um, be honest and listen to people's stories. Cause I mean, listening to people's stories is, is so critical to making sure that they have the support that they need. Um, and people come here from all walks of life. And sometimes people just need that moment to say what they need to say. And it's important, even if you don't have a long-term connection with that person, is to fully understand the story, fully just listen it, hear it out in full. Um, and, you know, look at that person as another person. You know, like, this is a story. This is what makes them real. Um, and I think people don't take enough time to listen to other people's stories um, and to really understand, like, their perspective. And I think that's really important to me. I, people stop me all the time and have these long, <laughs> long discussions, but I'm known for taking that time to, like, really get down to, like, what the person is really trying to communicate. Well, and that's really interesting because as I talk to a lot of first responders, one of those things is it's not going in with any preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. You show up on the scene for an investigation and you see a dog who's tied to a fence and who's skinny and, and uh, it's just a terrible situation. People automatically make, make a lot of assumptions mm -hmm. about the person who's in charge of that animal. And, and you, you're like, no, there, there's got to be more to this story. There's got to be more to the story. And a lot of times when people see situations like that, what they're witnessing is poverty and not necessarily a, a, a moment of um, of cruelty. Um, this dog doesn't have any food. It, well, if the person has money, I'm pretty sure the dog will have food. So just coming in with, let's listen to what's going on here and not assume that things are worse than they are. I mean, it is definitely situations where they are bad, and, um, but we definitely want to just look at every individual animal, every individual person as an individual and just look at it, you know, put it together that way. Well, and it's interesting that you say a lot of times what, what they're dealing with is, is poverty. I mean, and, and poverty is not a crime. And, mm -hmm. you know, people find tremendous solace in their animals. Mm -hmm. It's such good companionship without judgment or anything mm -hmm. like that. And and so the way you all have been able to help them here at Dallas Animal Services to keep people and animals together mm -hmm. is has certainly been something that was really important to Ed Jameson when he was leading the organization. It seems like it's something that's important to you as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it should be important to all organizations in order to save lives, in order to you know, decrease the overall population of animals that are in shelters, you have to commit to keeping the pets with the people. You know, like that is, somebody already loves them. You don't need to find placement. You don't need to put resources. You just need to help that person get what they need so they can keep their pets. So what do the next steps look like for you? Oh, what, Lord. <laughs> what, you have a number of chapters ahead of you. What do I, the next few chapters look like? Um, Personally, I am interested to see if I can help other organizations um, reach their goals. So I, I'm ultimately interested in not necessarily. I'm, ultra, I'm interested in helping people reach their goals as far as keeping pets together, reducing pet population, um, re reducing euthanasia in their community, um, and creating um, a collaborative effort, like working with the community, working with other organizations that already do the good work, um, and figure out um, where the gaps are and fill those needs. That's probably what I want to do in the future. I just... I don't know yet. <laughs> That's okay. You've got time. Yeah. Now I've got to say, you said mention a gap. So it, 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 
if you could ask yourself a question that I haven't asked you yet, what what would you ask? What have um, I not asked? That's a what have you not asked? <laughs> um, I don't know. What have you not asked? You actually have some really good questions. I think. <laughs> well, what the most the most memorable investigation and rescue? Um, because I, I I'm direct I'm not directly involved with every investigation that is on like that's broken down in different teams. Um, I won't be able to give you an example for that. Um, but I do remember a long time ago when I worked at another organization, and um, we found that this this person or this group of people had like over a hundred roosters on this property. That's and a lot I, of roosters. Yeah. And I just remember like once the roosters got transferred to our organization, it was just roosters everywhere. I've never seen so many <laughs> roosters in my life. So that is like one of those things. Like every time I see a rooster, I'm like, oh my God, is it just one it's or is it rooster PTSD? Yeah, I have rooster PTSD. So every time I see a rooster, I'm really afraid that it's going to be hundreds. Um, but that was one of those things that I was like, I never knew that one person or one group of people could have that many roosters at one location all at once, which was just blew my, blew my mind. Yeah. So what happened to all the roosters? I don't know what happened to all the roosters. <laughs> we, we got them, and then I left the organization before um, that case, like, dissolved. But I would never, like, identifying hundreds of roosters to, like, each individual. It was just a lot of work. And after that, I was like... I don't think so, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that turned you off. Yeah, I was just like, that's too much work. Yeah, it was just a lot. Oh, that, that is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of every every interview, we always like to flip it a little bit over to Dickies. And I've got to say, what's your favorite Dickies meat and your favorite Dickies side? I am, let's see. I mean, let's see. I do like corn on the top for sure. That <laughs> corn on the top is good. Um, I am more of a barbecue sandwich kind of girl. All right. So extra sauce and some like pickles. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in, like okay. biscuit and stuff like that. Okay. <laughs> All right, we always end up with our finish with our lightning round. I'm going to give you two choices, and okay. you're going to pick your favorite. Oh, okay. All right, barbecue beans or jalapeno beans? Jalapeno beans. Sweet or unsweet tea? Sweet tea. Well, I mean, you're, yeah, I mean, you're, just, <laughs> you're from up north, and even yeah, you're like, I wanna, no, I sweet tea, obviously. Sweet, sweet okay. tea, yeah. All right, chopped brisket or sliced brisket? Chopped. Sauce or no sauce? Sauce. Brisket or pulled pork? Pulled pork. All right, and ribs or wings? Ribs. Oh, wait. Mm, it depends on the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> depends on the holiday. Yeah, yeah. I love that answer. Well, thank you so much. My guest today has been Rachel Williams with Dallas Animal Services. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for everything that you do for our community and for all the animals in our community. All right, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. It was great that we could share our stories with you. If you want more information about the Dickey Foundation, feel free to visit thedickeyfoundation.org. And if you want more information about some of our great owners and the great stories they're doing, please visit dickies.com. We look forward to seeing you next week where we'll continue sharing the good stories of good people doing good things in our community.